Hey there, welcome back to the Path Design Podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning in today. We are talking about purpose in our hearts. This will be part two. It is a call to prepare for what is coming. What's coming, as we already talked about, I don't know, do you? I got an idea of some things, but everything else, it's just chaos. I don't know. And uh, hopefully you're one that that listens to what the Spirit is saying way more than what you listen to your favorite YouTube channel, giving you all the secret warnings of all the stuff that's coming. Let's be educated, but let's be let's be let's be wise, mature men who study to show ourselves approved and are dependent first and foremost. Our first and foremost source is what the Spirit is saying in this hour. That'd be our our main go-to. Think it would do us well. So we talked about the the introduction, if you will, of the four men in Daniel chapter 1 and how just a little bit of who they were and, and what they were dealing with and how they excelled. They physically were, they did very well in a circumstance they should not have through that 10 days of testing, if you will. And they abstained from what? Food that would have defiled them. The king's food, they said, no, I'm not going. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to eat what you're offering because that would defile me in the eyes of, of, of my Elohim. And so I'm not going to do it. And they, of course, come out the other side of that, like markedly, even the countenance on their face. Whoa, whoa, look at those guys. <laughs> they were awesome going in and even apparently more awesome 10 days later. They, they were unwilling to be polluted or stained. And we talked a little bit about what that looks for, looks like for us today. Does it even matter what we eat? Does it... Does it matter? Can we be defiled today according to eating something that we shouldn't eat? Or is everything free game? Can I go out and like start gnawing on a dead deer carcass down the road? I mean, I know that people say, well, I'm not saying that. Now you're just being extreme. Why? I think it's extreme to say that I can go have 10 plates of pulled pork and say that it doesn't matter. I mean, it's it's and that's why it's it, that's why your opinion and mine have got to be just thrown on the table. And it's not about what we think is right. It's not about what we prefer. If you want to talk about preference, now give me give me a pound of bacon. If we're talking preference, but what Psalm chapter one forty one that we read? I don't want to taste the delicacies of wicked people who do wrong. I don't. It, it's not appealing to me. It's appealing to my natural man, but I don't live according to that. I think that would do us well. We talked about food a lot in part one, I realize. So moving on, we were talking about, beginning to talk about the, the text in Daniel where the, the fiery furnace comes to play. And we're going to kind of jump back and forth a little bit in, in chapters one, two, and three to, to make a point. But the this fiery furnace, now we've all seen pictures in our Sunday school books, presumably. Um, but the, this, this furnace was very likely a pit dug in the ground. Um, it was very likely down, which, which lends itself when you start studying the text for real, why it even makes sense that even most modern translations said that the, the men fell into. They fell in. You can't really fall into an oven, you know, but you can fall into a pit in the ground. Um, Nebuchadnezzar had had these men. He was he's pretty angry, and and because they're defying at this point, we get to he they won't bow down. Of course, they won't worship 
this this false idol. They won't. They just, I'm not doing it. And we're going to get to all the things that they say because it all matters. But they say, we're not, we're not going to do that. I don't care what happens, but we're not doing that. So Nebuchadnezzar, to be absolutely sure that they would not be delivered from the regular heat of the furnace, as if that, and just in case, just in case their Elohim is really going to do something, this is, a, this is how he took Yahweh Elohim and like tried to make him more little E Elohim-like. <laughs> well, just, just in case their Elohim can do something to deliver them, we're going to crank up the heat seven times more. <laughs> and so then he surely won't be able to spare their lives. It's kind of funny. So he had it up, uh, heated up seven times normal temperature. Now, now we know what happens. The, the men fall in. The, the, the men who were supposed to put them in, they were burned alive, consumed by the heat, extreme heat. And we know that what I just call, <coughs> excuse me, the fourth man shows up and they say, wait a minute, didn't you throw <laughs> didn't you throw three guys in there? There's four. I love the account. It's pretty incredible. And we know these men were delivered. The 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 man was surely Yeshua. Pre-incarnate. We know these men were delivered, right? The story is encouraging, of course. We've heard it. If you've been in church your whole life like me, you remember sitting in the Sunday school room being taught this awesome story. We've all heard sermons based upon this text, saying what? God will deliver you just like he did these men. All you got to do is say no to idolatry. All right, pastor, what's idolatry? Just don't do bad stuff. Stop sinning. Okay, so if I stop sinning, this will happen to me? Yes. And that's kind of, I'm, I know it sounds silly, but that's kind of the Christian doctrine, really. It's just very, it's just generic. It's somewhat bland and lacking. <laughs> it's lacking instruction. Like, give me some instruction. Give me some clear, defined things to do and things not to do. It's called the Torah. Yahweh knew that we would need told what to do. It's just like our children. My son needs specific instructions, man. And as he matures, he won't need them to the same extent because he already knows what's right and wrong. He already knows what's expected. We won't get into that. So we've been told, I believe, that if you just nebulously say no to idolatry, God will deliver you just like he did these men. But just because this is biblical history, and I believe it is, I don't believe this is just some parable. I believe these were legitimate men, of course, history now. Just because that's true does not guarantee that Yahweh has to do this for us. I've been reading, as I said, I'll reference several times, I've been reading the book of Ecclesiastes. And I'm trying to reconcile and balance this, this, this flaw in my thinking of what I've been handed as a long-time Christian, which I read these Proverbs as if they're absolute promised fact. No other way. But as I read Ecclesiastes, as I, li as I listen to other men talk about their vantage point of what it's saying and why, I'm beginning to add to my life the fullness of the Scriptures. Because it would seem, if you read Proverbs and 
and you read it beside Ecclesiastes, well, one of these has to give. Because Ecclesiastes says that, we'll just paraphrase and make this simple, awesome things happen to horrible, evil people. And bad things happen to good, godly men. What's the deal? Well, Proverbs says, and this comes to the upright. And this is the promise for the just. Well, what do we do with that? Because we can't choose. Because most people would just be presented a doctrine where you just choose Proverbs. Read Proverbs then. That's what we do in Christianity. Well, just read Proverbs then and just don't go over to that Ecclesiastes. That's just depressing. Both are equally true. So why do I say that? We have to be careful that when we read accounts like these individuals in Daniel, that we just don't automatically assume, well, that is absolutely sure thing, hands down, what has to happen to me if I do exactly what they did. I will be delivered. Yeshua is going to show up and walk around with me. So with that in mind for today, the ending, and this is what I want to get to now, the ending of what took place in, co- in the context of what I'm presenting is irrelevant. The fact that they were delivered from the fiery furnace is irrelevant when put into the context of what I'm talking about today because what I'm talking about today is purposed in our hearts, okay? And that's where I'm going to go is we're going to kind of now, we're going to go backwards here in just a minute. We cannot simply say that this must happen to us as well. Just like these, well, God, you did that for them. You have to do this for me. A lot of people do that with the Bible. It's very dangerous. Rather, the goal before us now, and I mean like right here before us, I would say it's present moment. I'm just saying we still have time is to purpose our hearts today, now. Not when the moment comes or when it's too late to decide what we're going to do with this or with that, but now. And to be clear, purposing in our hearts now is not about natural preparation. Okay, We're talking an inward place, an inward reality, an inward condition and posture. We're not talking about all these periphery things that are well and good and fine to do. Now this this phrase, purpose in our hearts, we can just dissect it for a mere moment. This is the same Hebrew word as set or put. It's used in Genesis when Yahweh set a mark on Cain. I use that just as an example to give you a little snapshot and a picture of what this is talking about. It was a marking. It was almost always used to to relate to a mark being placed upon something, or in most cases, someone. So in a sense, without making this all apocalyptic, in a sense now, to again, to use the, the Hebrew word, this purpose in our hearts is a marking. It is a setting. It is a putting in place in my innermost being. I am set. I am marked now. Now, before the circumstance comes, before the, the trial, the, 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 the tribulation comes, I'm purposing it in my heart now. Okay? 
And so where do we see that? That was back in Daniel chapter 1, before all of this. Okay? Hopefully I can find it right away because I didn't even mark it until later. You would think I would have marked that, don't you think? All right, we'll find it at some point. It's in uh, 1, verse 8. And your, your version may say something that I believe makes it a little less weighty and substantial. It may say something like, he made up his mind, or he determined in his mind too. But there's something about this proper understanding in the Hebrew context of he purposed in his heart, okay? He had a resolve to what? To not be defiled. To not get outside the boundary and parameters of his Elohim, of all Elohims, okay? So people want to make this present moment. I'm not going to use certain words because I know we're getting to a point where all that stuff is going to get you removed from from the public sector. But people want to make this present moment and what you have to take and, and, and do... Is, the question is, is it the mark? Is it the mark? And it's almost like, because if, it, if it's not, I'm okay with it. But if it is, I'll probably say no. <laughs> and they want to point, some people want to point fingers. It, it, it already is the mark. You've already taken it. And others, no, it's not. It's nothing. Well, I'm not here to address that in, a, in specifics. The fact is, we don't know what's coming and how it's going to be ushered in. Friend, you don't know. I don't care how many YouTube videos you've watched of all these of all these individuals who are telling these people these secrets that they only they know, and you better download it now because it's going to be deleted in 5 minutes and then shh, cut transmission like some movie. Oh no. It's inciting so much fear. And or just this false knowledge that we know what's coming. I talk, I've talked about that for years. This insatiable desire for the Christian church to, we know the truth. It's about the presidential election, about like the things with, with what's on the scene today to allow you to buy and sell and shop and, and you know go to sporting events, which who even cares? Give you freedom. We know why. Friend, no, you don't. No, you don't. We can acquire knowledge and information, yes, but we don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know, and you don't either. I'm sorry. And that's okay. doesn't give us license to be ignorant. Oh, you're going to be taken advantage of then, brother. No, I'm not. That's okay. So what do we know? What do we know? We know there's prophesied persecution, that this nation, myself included, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. I've never known it in any increment. I don't care what anyone says here. If you live, if you're a Christian American, a Christian American in America, you receive blessing and favor. You do not get persecution. Oh, well, you don't know the name the guy called me at school. I'm not even talking about that. That and that's it. That's our definition of persecution in America. 
he hurt my feelings because I was wearing a, a Jesus Saves t-shirt and he called me a naughty name. There's Christian persecution in America. That's going to change. It's going to change. This is not a Christian nation, people. I'm sorry. We've talked about that before. The promise that a marked man in Yahweh, a man marked by Yahweh, is delivered. It's not always going to look like we think it looks, friend. It may look like the fiery furnace. It might. It may look like the men who ate beans and water for 10 days and looked and felt awesome. It may look like that. It may look like that for him, but not for you. It may look like that for, for Bill down the road, but not for me. Or it may look that way for me and not for him. But what do we do? And again, this is what I'm learning in Ecclesiastes studies. It is not up to us. It's not up to us. My Elohim of all Elohims is sovereign and perfect and right and true no matter what. Whether something looks fair and makes sense or not. I have no right, and I will have no right, to say, Yahweh, you didn't cause this to go good for me. I thought you were for me. I cannot do that. I will not do that. Why? I'm purposing it in my heart. So what do we do now? We've got prophesied, prof, mm, prophesied persecution coming. We may not be delivered like we wish. Our children may not be spared and delivered like we want them to. Let's make a note, though, about some uh, practical responses that we can glean from this text in Jan Daniel chapter 1, 2, and 3. How does Daniel respond to the king's edict? Let's talk about that for a minute. This really, this really stuck out to me. Um, it's chapter 2. So, and again, I want, I want us to, to think about these things through a modern-day lens right now. Let's learn from the Bible. These are not suggestions. <laughs> well, they are suggestions in the sense of they're optional. We don't have to do them. Okay, so how does Daniel respond to the king's edict to kill all the wise men of Babylon, which would have been Daniel? Would have been him and his friends. So let's let's go back to the fiery furnace portion, uh, chapter two, verse fourteen. Okay, so all this is going down right, and, and and the king is irate. He's like, man, he because of what's going on and 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 all the issue with with dreams, and he doesn't like what he's being told. So he says, what he in 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 summary, kill all the wise men, kill them all. I want all those men who are, who are interpreting dreams throughout the lands, I want them all dead. Well, Daniel knew that himself and his, his three, three other wise friends, they're in the boat with that. Their death is for them. So we, we, we come up to, well, let's read 13 as well in chapter 2. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. And they look for Daniel and his friends. Why? To kill them. It's plain and simple. One purpose. We're here to kill you. In verse 14, though, Daniel replied 
with discretion and discernment to Ereok, which is probably not pronounced right, but he's the captain of the king's, one version says, bodyguard, executioners. He's carrying out the king's business. And Daniel replies to him with discretion and discernment. Why? He had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon, this, this uh, Arioch. And Daniel answered and said to Arioch, the king's commander, For what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? And Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation of the dream to the king in order that they might request compassion from Yahweh, Elohim, God of heaven, concerning this mystery so that Daniel and his friends might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Now, am I saying this is a cut-and-dry, sure-thing pattern of all of us to do? No, I'm saying, or else I'd be contradicting what I just said. But what I am saying is here's an idea. Because this is what I see, again, let's talk modern day for a moment, because this has to be modern day uh, applicable, or, or what, what are we reading? We're not just adding historical content to our minds. Let's put a modern day flavor to this. So this edict comes out, this decree, to kill all the wise men. Daniel they know it's for them. Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, they know that this means that, that they're, being, they're going to be killed, murdered, by identity, just for who they are and what they do. They're, they're, and what they've done well <laughs> up till this point. They're going to die. But I would say because it was purposed in their hearts to stay clean, undefiled, consecrated, righteous, and holy, and acceptable in the eyes of Yahweh, first and foremost, we will not waver from that. We will not turn. We're set. We're marked. When this came, they weren't riled up and freaking out. They weren't losing their minds. Again, modern-day example, by comparison, of course. They weren't running out and buying 20 AK-47s. They weren't going out and filling their basements with rounds and rounds of ammunition. They weren't shouting on their rooftops, whether on YouTube or in your, you know, whatever way that we all do this, whatever avenue of, of voice we have been given, saying, come and get us. You think you can take us out? We've got God on our side. They weren't doing that. Come and get me. They were not acting that way. Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to the man that had come to kill him. Why? Purposed in his hearts. Purposed in his heart. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this is Yeshua. No one takes my life, man. I lay it down willingly. You can't have this. We'll get to that in a moment. He had purposed in his heart, I believe. 
And it goes on that that apparently he he kind of wins over Ariok, the king's commander who is sent to kill him. Because verses down, Daniel goes in and requests of the king. I need time. May I may I have? Do we understand the word request? Not he doesn't go in, kick down the doors and bust in there with swords and a militiamen army saying, Where's the king? We're no. Discretion, discernment, requested time with the king. To, to what? To interpret the dream. Why? Because Yahweh had already interpreted the dream. Daniel already knew, thus saith the Lord. His confidence was set. He was marked. He had purposed in his heart, I am clear and clean before my king. And he's up here and he's not down here. So whatever down here that disagrees with up there, I don't care. This is what we do. Not, this is what we do. You come pry this out of my cold, dead hands. No. This is who I am, friend. This is who we are. This is what we do. Whatever comes, I know you're here to kill me. I have discernment and discretion. Because I've purposed in my heart that my life is not my own, friend. So do whatever you're here to do. That's what we see in all this. Do whatever you need to do. My life is in the hands of my creator, not in yours. I don't see a ton of people in the church. I don't see a lot of people in the Torah community. I don't see a lot of people anywhere who claim to know God and do in ways that I never probably will get this principle. I still think they have to take control manipulate circumstances to stand up take control of our lives because if we don't nobody will these men were resigned to allow Yahweh to do whatever he said goes they knew it they knew what he said goes in a way that I would say you and I have not yet known yet which goes to why we're saying this is a call to prepare for what is coming by being purposed in our hearts, to not be defiled, to not be rebellious to Yahweh's commands, to know Him and please Him and love Him, which is what? If you love me, keep my commands. Lawlessness is not keeping the commands of Yahweh Elohim. And lawlessness, we're told, will be the stamp upon, upon the end of the age. And depart from me. I never knew you, workers of iniquity, lawless ones. These men were marked. They were distinct. They had purposed in their hearts, we will not bow. We will not bow our knee to these other gods. Not because we're here to be defiant and make a scene, but because we bow to one and one alone, and it's all in his control, not yours or mine. This is who I am. And thereby, they were prepared for what was coming for them. Praise the Father, we have these accounts to look back and see men who endured well, who persevered and trusted that their Elohim was sufficient. You're watching the Path to Zion podcast. We're rediscovering the ancient way. 
We're going to come back and do part three conclusion right after this, so please tune in. Thank you for watching. Amen.